This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. The topic of primary keys comes up in the Claris community once in a while, and it's always inspires a lot of conversation. There's great debate, great explanation, and great difference of perspective. As someone who has asked this question in the beginning of my career, and as someone who's engaged in the discussion in later years, I'm extremely interested in the concept of primary keys. One field in a table of a database has a simple idea but complex implementation. Todd and I talk today about primary keys. We focus only on that little field, talking about how it is named, its purpose, its use, its type, and even how it applies to integrations. Our goal is not to provide the definite answer, but to add to the discussion and to relay years of experience, thinking, and practice around this topic. For every FileMaker developer, primary keys are good to revisit once in a while to refine our understanding of and use of in our relationship scheme of practice. Hey Todd, welcome back. Hey Jeremy, <laughs> I uh, uh, it's good to have you on because we can just talk about things and see where it goes, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Never. for a while that's how it's been, but yeah. you've you've asked me actually to prepare questions for you now, so I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's helpful just to have something to kind of spark my um, trains of thought, if you will. Yeah, but all the other episodes you've been on, you've barely know, knew the topic before I uh, started recording, and yet we filled an hour, so yeah. it was okay. <laughs> well, I got plenty of opinions, that's for sure. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about primary keys. Um, this is a it's seemingly small part of the, the FileMaker platform. It's not a yeah. full technique. It's not anything, but it's actually a really important topic to understand. And I'll, the reason I'm bringing this up and we're going to talk about it is because I see this on the forums quite a bit. Right. I see people asking questions about uh, primary keys. What should they be? Uh, how do I build them? All this stuff. And right. it's even more personal for me in that <laughs> back in 2011, 12, somewhere around there, I actually asked this same question, help me to un better understand primary keys. And for the fun of it, I'm going to put that um, link in the show notes. I was a teacher and I needed to understand primary keys. So I asked <laughs> a lot of people. So this comes from my my knowledge, uh, from my lack of knowledge, therefore, and, um, and just trying to understand it myself. Yeah. So we're going to talk about primary keys. Yeah. Is, is primary keys simple? Is it simple? Can we be done in two minutes? Well, there's a there's a there's a first level of it that's I think fairly simple to understand, which is sort of the um, their their primary purpose, if you will. Um, but mm -hmm. the uh, the implementation details and the nuances can can go off in lots of different directions. You can bump into some questions, especially today in today's world, where you might think, "Well, I'll just use the primary key." And that would be the wrong answer um, for okay. for some for some types of things that you might normally would think. I just want to use a primary key. So um, there's definitely a lot of nuance, and it gets it can get pretty deep. But the 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 main concept is pretty simple. And right. uh, and and once you when you get that concept, the rest of the nuances kind of just fall out from thinking about it from from that perspective. Okay. Um, so yeah. So um, let's just start with that. Why don't you define at its simplest what a primary key is? Yeah, so there's a there's a strict sort of database definition of it, and there's the FileMaker implementation of that. Uh, so a, a, a primary key is the field, and in the case of FileMaker, it's just one field that uniquely identifies a record uh, in, in the database. Um, uh, in, 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 in a table in the database. Uh, so it's, um, it, it basically that's, that's the primary definition is it needs to, if, if you're given the task of getting this AA record, you want to find its ID. Another way to think of it might be its address. Like where is it in the table sort of? Um, and so it is a unique number or string or value in other databases that you can even use binary, uh, for, for primary keys. In FileMaker, we're really talking about numbers or strings are really the only things that, that we're going to be talking about. Um, in other databases, you can have multiple fields can make up the primary key, and you can kind of mimic that in FileMaker terms, but there's a number of reasons why 
in 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 the in the FileMaker implementation, you really don't you you really want to use one field to be that primary key, uh, and either a number or a string um, that you set up to do that. Okay, so I, I'm just curious here: is it we're FileMaker developers? Uh, I know you work in other database platforms as well. Is it worth knowing the details of primary keys? for other database applications? Like you, you mentioned other fields, can, yeah. putting other fields together. Is it worth a FileMaker developer exploring the fullest extent of a no, primary I, I, key? I mean, no, you don't, I don't think you need to go and study every other database because I'll take you forever. But you should know that, that different databases have slightly different constraints or slightly different characteristics for their primary keys. So okay. if, if you find yourself in a situation where you're using some other database, uh, you should... One of the first things you should understand is how does its primary key work? Um, what what is it that's similar to what I'm used to, and what is it that's different? But you just you don't need to know you know um, all the details of there's just too many there's, there, there's too many different databases. Uh, just if you're just doing FileMaker, focus on on that and just know that if you ever change to something else, you just want to make sure you understand how the primary keys work. Today's episode is brought to you by LedgerLink. As companies continue to digitally transform their work environments using FileMaker and a host of online resources, it is important to implement solutions that keep data synced up. LedgerLink is our tool to sync your invoice, customer, product, sales data hosted in QuickBooks Online with the data in your FileMaker system. LedgerLink is a connector between your FileMaker custom app and your QuickBooks Online account. In three easy steps, you can connect and sync all data in both systems, whether you want to push from FileMaker to QBO or the other way around. There's very little work for you to do to get set up. LedgerLink handles it all for you. LedgerLink is pure FileMaker, so you can get in there and extend the system and customize. You can use the LedgerLink file as your accounting file, or you can use it as an intermediary between your custom app and QBO. It's just FileMaker tables, scripts, layouts, and you know how to work with those. The Intuit Developer API is exposed and ready for you to add or modify to fully interact with your system. Let users of your system see QBO data without access to QuickBooks Online. Eliminate entry in two different systems with LedgerLink. Download the 14-day trial and see how fast it is to sync QBO data with data in your custom app. LedgerLink, the FileMaker QuickBooks Online Connector. So here's a, you mentioned uniqueness in a table. You actually said uniqueness, uniqueness in a file, and then you changed it. So yeah. I, I, I've, I'm reading this book, and I've read over many years, Database Design for Mere Mortals um, by Michael J. Hernandez. Yeah. And one of the things that he says in here, and I'm going to read it from, from verbatim, he says, each primary key within a database must be unique. No two tables should have the same primary key yeah. unless one of them is a subset table. So that's telling me a primary key needs to be unique over the entire file, all of the tables in a file. Yeah, and there are ways to implement that. It's I, I think that's um, so we should back up one step and we should say that FileMaker doesn't actually have <laughs> the support strictly in a strict sense of primary keys the way other databases do. And okay. that gets into some details which may not be perfectly relevant to FileMaker, but they, they, well, let me just, I'll mention them briefly. So um, primary keys uh, in terms of other databases are often used in conjunction with things called foreign keys. So you can take the common example of an invoice with invoice line items. You have the invoice ID as the primary key and in the line item, you'll have the invoice ID would be the foreign key. And by, there are databases that strictly support the concept of primary key and foreign key. And so therefore they know, the database itself, the engine itself knows that there is a relationship between invoice and invoice line items. And they can do things like, like automatically delete the line items when the invoice records are deleted, or they can update the modification timestamp of the invoice when the invoice lines change. Because they have strict support for, for primary keys and foreign keys. FileMaker doesn't really have strict support for even primary keys. 
Like you don't actually, there's no, in other databases, you, you have to pick a field and say, this is a, this is the primary key. In in FileMaker, we don't actually have that. You don't need to put one in. By default, they're added now since uh, what, I forget when they added the feature for default fields, but there, there is a field that's added by default called primary key. But years ago, that wasn't the case. You'd see sample databases that had all kinds of different words for that. They'd have match field or, or ID or PK ID or all these different things. So in a strict sense, FileMaker doesn't have primary key support. Um, but if you're going to do anything beyond the simplest thing, you're going to want a primary key. Um, so I think that's important to understand because you do need to, if you go and look at these other database modeling books, um, that they're going to be speaking in terms of other types of databases that have uh, built-in support for things like primary keys and foreign keys. And so you, you, you want to look for how you can support those things in FileMaker, um, you know, those same concepts, and some you'll be able to and some you won't. Like, for example, you can support cascading delete, right? You can create a relationship on the, on the relationship graph between two fields in your database and say, um, and say, you know, if the parent table deletes the record, delete all the, all the child records. So that, that can be supported, but it's supported on the relationship graph level, not based on the fact that you have a primary key for invoices and a quote unquote foreign key in the invoice line items table. So um, uh, I think the books are great to read, but you you do need to understand that you're not going to you're going to have to do some interpretation towards what is supported uh, inside of FileMaker. That's that's good to know. Yeah, but, but let me get back to that get back to that original question you asked about whether they should be unique across the entire table. I think what ends up happening is if you use the the most sort of common uh, well maybe not the most common but the the sort of easy default best practice which would be to use UUIDs, then you're going to get that by default. You don't need to actually worry about that. So I think in practice today, like most of, most of the systems we build, and most of, if you use the default in FileMaker, you're going to get a UUID, which stands for universally unique ID, and that will be unique across all of the tables in your database and perhaps all the tables in all the databases you create for the rest of your life. So... <laughs> that's that's the power of UUIDs, which I'm sure we'll get to in this discussion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. I I get kind of dogmatic about things. If I read something, I want to make sure that either I follow it or not. But it's good to know because we're FileMaker developers how FileMaker implements these rules and these ideas, and if it can even implement these ideas. So. Yeah. One more thing to bring up in terms of primary key and th that it does come up. You're using like the data API and things like that. So FileMaker has uh, a record ID for, for each record. That is a number and you can get it with get record ID and it can't be changed. It's created by FileMaker and it uniquely identifies the record as well. Uh, and it, it, it is sort of, it is enforced by the database to do that, by the database engine to do that. Um, and so some people fall into the trap of using that as their primary key and they create uh, a calculation field in their database or an auto enter calc in their database that just automatically looks up that record. And that seems like it would be a good idea, um, but, and, and it can, especially if you're using like the data, the data API or the OData APIs to connect to your FileMaker database. But in practice, it turns out to be a bad idea because you, if you export your records and re-import them, you cannot guarantee that the same record ID will be in those same records. So um, that's really important for a primary key. Uh, if your primary, you don't want your primary key changing just because you import and export the record, just because you export the data and then re-import it. Um, you would not want your primary key to, to change. So the record ID is not a suitable primary key. It's really okay. important to understand that. And I think a lot of people, when they discover that function, like, oh, this is what I should be using. And, um, and the answer is no, you, you just, you just do not want to do that. Um, yeah. What, what, what about, um, you mentioned UUIDs. The other yeah. way to make a primary key is yeah. there's actually two other ways, at least that I know of, uh, an auto enter serial, which includes letting FileMaker just increment by one or me as a developer, adding some prefix to that. Um, yep. 
So it's like, you know, STU for students dash zero zero one. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned UUIDs as best practice. Have you ever used serials and sure. why did sure. you switch? We use serials going back in, into the darker depths of time. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much how we did it. Um, serial numbers are, uh, are still used quite a bit in the industry. Um, and they're kind of the, probably the default way. Like if you go set up my, if you go up MySQL or something like that, or Postgres, you're going to find it's going to, if you say, I want a primary key, it's probably going to start you off with an auto with auto increment. And, and that was that sort of, you know, the way that it was done in, in FileMaker for, for forever. It's interesting. Uh, so the reason that went away as a fashion was that if you, if you did a, an import to a new version of a file, let's say the, the primary key wouldn't easily be updated. You would have to make sure that, that make sure that that got updated, that next serial value got updated. And if you didn't do that, um, and this was very common. This was very common in the in the early days of FileMaker. Um, ran into this problem all the time. You do it. You do a migration. You know, you you give a uh, you give your customer a new copy of the file. They do a data import, and then they would call you frantically later that day as records that are, po- are popping up in portals that belong to different records, and and um, it's just this big mess. And the problem is, is that you know how duplicate values in your primary key field because that next value wasn't updated. Mm -hmm. So it was now creating values that were um, already in there. Mm -hmm. So so serial numbers, um, the the problem with serial numbers is that it was, uh, there was always some human error, even in a fully automated system. It, Mm -hmm. if it didn't run correctly, you weren't, you weren't able to, to ensure that the auto enter next value was updated. Uh, over time, we, we got features that helped that. We got the set next serial number feature. So you could you could do your automated imports and, and they would be better because at the end of your import, you'd simply run a routine which would find the highest serial number in the table and set it to that plus one. Uh, so, so, so you could do that. I was always um, taught to increase it by like a thousand or 10,000. You, you could do that too. Yeah. You, yeah. you could do whatever. Um, I think that's, that's like, uh, you know, just sort of being extra safe, but yeah, you can, you can definitely do that. So that, that was one way. Another way to do it was to create random keys or UUIDs. Um, and that was done with custom functions or other things for many years. And the reason that those are nice is, is that you don't, you don't have to worry about, about upgrading that serial number. Um, and so there were lots of custom functions and calcula- auto enter calcs that people would use uh, to create UUIDs before we got the built-in function. And uh, you could you could ensure that uh, if you got a if you got a good calculation for that, there was very low chance that you would ever create a duplicate. Like that calc would always return something unique. Um, and so I started using those pretty early on, um, just because it was safer and. Uh, you know, there was always some interesting pushback from folks around, you know, you can't do that. Um, you can't guarantee that it's unique. And, and I would, all, you know, it's, it got, to, it got to be very interesting conversations, but, but it's the difference between theory and practice that's, mm-hmm. that, that can trip up a lot of programmers. Um, in theory, a UUID could repeat. In practice, it's much more likely that you're going to get a repetition with a serial number because mistakes are made by people when they're updating files or doing things like that, it was much more likely that you would get a duplicate if you use a serial number than it would be if you used a good UUID function. Mm-hmm. And uh, people just don't believe that though. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so we had to do some funny, some funny stuff to prove that, that yeah, it could, it could actually be done. And now we have UUID number, right? right. Um, that's another way if people want their primary keys to be only numbers, we can use that, right? Yep. We have both and there's a good reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I should say for, for, for folks who simply don't trust UUIDs. So I did an experiment where I created a billion records um, using UUIDs and never got a dupe. Uh, the math behind the way these functions work basically say you, you, you're going to have to create a billion records a year for a hundred years to get a duplicate. So you're not going to get a duplicate is really the, that's the thing. It's like in theory, it's possible that you could get a duplicate, but in practice you just won't. Right. So it's, it's kind of, it's, I, I find the, the, these sorts of things really fascinating because they can trip you up a lot in, in programming. 
um, if you don't think about the difference between theory and practice, right? It practices all that ever matters. You can come up with all these great theories about things, but if in practice, um, <laughs> things are different, that's, you have, you have to go with what's, with what actually happens and not what theoretically can happen with the functions we have today, get UUID and get UUID number. There's, there is in practice, no way that you'll get a duplicate, um, in all your years of FileMaker development, you will never get a duplicate of those things. In theory, it's possible, but in practice, it won't happen. Uh, and that's just because that's that, that's just because math. That's how math works. One of the the uh, perceived limitations by people using UUID is its readability. Um, yeah. it's easier to like if if I'm searching a student file, um, I can see that student four. I can go into any table. I know four is easy to read and to remember and to then, you know, write into another field. Yep. Is that worth considering anymore? The readability of primary? No, it never really should have been. It was a practice that's used in some, in some places, in some parts of the FileMaker world. It's never, so that's what's called a natural key, which is uh, sometimes called a natural key, I should say. Um, and that is just sort of something that uh, makes sense. Like, you know, like a student number, a, a student, student ID student number. number or a, um, or a social security number or first name, last name, right? We, you know, years ago, it wasn't uncommon to come across databases that had, that had, um, contacts, the, the primary key of the contact being the first name and last name of a, of the person. Um, obviously that's, you know, a bad idea, but, but that wasn't uncommon. You'd see stuff like that. Um, so this is this is generally not a great idea to use these kinds of natural keys or things that um, are are useful for i for visually identifying records mm -hmm. for your relationship logic. Relationship logic you should leave up to math. You should leave up to these to to these truly unique values. The the sort of if you want things that are natural keys, then you should create those as separate fields. And, and you'll see that in, in, in pretty much any database that, that's of any complexity, you'll see this kind of thing. I, I'll use an example we're just working with recently. Um, well, not we've been working with for, for, for quite a while that, that does this, and that is QuickBooks. So if you get, if you quick, if you get QuickBooks data, you will get um, an ID for each invoice, for each customer, for each vendor, et cetera. If it's an invoice, they have another value, which can also be enforced to be unique, and that is the doc number. And that, so that is the invoice number. That's like, if you're, if you get an invoice printed from somebody, it's going to have an invoice number on it. That is the, uh, natural key. And it can also be enforced as unique. Uh, and often is, um, that's the number that is, that identifies that invoice, you know, sort of two users, but that shouldn't be your primary key. It should not be okay. the primary. You should have a separate field, which is the primary key that, 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 that is not displayed on layouts. Um, and you know, people, when they're early on in, um, in this, in this career, they won't see why this is a problem. Um, cause yeah. it, it just seems like it won't come up, but then you'll want to change it. It will come up because it's come up in every person's career has been this, who's done this for any length of time that you're going to want to change that. Um, you're going to want to change that logic of the, of this natural key of how it's generated and, and you'll break all your relationships if you do that. And so that is not, you just, you just can't do it. When I was learning FileMaker and when, and I, I mean, I still am, but when I was new to it, like you mentioned, I was a in-house developer while being a teacher we, uh, and it seemed natural to me. Maybe that's the key word, but I didn't understand the definition of these, these terms. It seemed natural to me to use the student ID number as a primary key because all because that's what comes in from like the district, right? That's what's yeah. uh, exposed and exported out from the st district student information system. That's how all the tests identify the students and, you know, their scores and such. But someone counseled me and said, well, okay, if, if a student number is 100432, you know, eventually they're going to run out of numbers in that six digit sequence and they're going to have to start over. It may be hundreds of years from now, but it, that number could still start over. We could it still could get change. another student. Yeah. It could change. Yeah. yeah. Now there so, are some that are unlikely to change social security numbers, but um, there are actually duplicate social security numbers that's been shown to be true. Yeah. 
Um, but, uh, and so the, the, these things that are, um, I would say that, I mean, we'll, I think we should come back to this when we talk about integration and keys, because this okay. is actually important. And the natural keys are, are these things like student number are really about integration, mm-hmm. uh, and how you link to other systems. Okay. And, um, you, you still need, you having the student number was still really important yep. for your system. It just shouldn't be the thing that enforces your relationship logic. Yeah, that's that's the difference. Uh, and um, we can talk more about that maybe when we get around okay. to integration. So, so a, a primary key by definition also needs to be meaningless. It should not have any relevance to anybody in the in the company and the that's using the platform. In fact, mm-hmm. primary keys shouldn't even be on layouts. Right? They shouldn't be visible shouldn't. by users. They shouldn't. In fact, you can. I can imagine a simpler way of thinking about relationships between things that don't, where you don't even, you're not even describing a primary key at all as you don't, it's like not, you don't think about it as a value in a field. You think about it as a link. Like this is the incoming link the, um, to, uh, from other records, right? So you, you just say that line items belong to an invoice. Mm-hmm. That's it. And yep. you know, the, all of that, all of the, 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 the math that links those two things together, f- frankly, isn't, isn't that useful, right? Like you don't need, really need to know that, to know that invoices belong, the line items belong to invoices. So why do we, why do we have to have this primary key and this foreign key linking them together? Um, and I, there are, there are database systems where they don't expose pr- primary keys and foreign keys that like, like I've just described and they, they, they do it through what they call associations or collections. Um, a, a topic for another day. We we have what we have, and we use primary keys and foreign keys to to make these linkings, and it works fine. But you really do want to say this needs to be meaningless mm-hmm. um, because you, uh, in terms of from other systems, because you do need to be able to rely on that for your relationship logic, um, and for things like if you export the data. Like if it comes from a backup, for example, you need to re-import a backup data. You want to make sure that you're able to restore the exact same setup you had before in the exact same relationships between the exact same records. The only way to do that is to make sure that you have this key that's only used for that purpose. That's mm-hmm. its only real use. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it should be meaningless. It should not be displayed to users. If you want uh, a natural key, create one. I think they're a very good idea. I think any... Any table or entity that is in, that people talk about and discuss needs to have something else, which is the you know the identifier that you use when you say, "Hey, would you look at this invoice?" That's not you're not going to give them the invoice primary key. You're going to give them the invoice number, and they're going to go look it up in whatever system they they need to look it up in. Does that make um, sense? It it makes great sense. And with that default fields, we have a built-in yep. sort of built-in yep. way to. Uh, ensure that we're getting a primary key field yep. and not use my natural key. In fact, we'll talk about this in a bit, but add-ons rely on something in the table labeled as a primary key. There, as they add-ons, can. yeah, that's right. Yep, yeah, yeah for some of the new add-on functionality. Yeah, the the default ex- fields XML. I think it, they changed its name. I, I have to look at that. Um, it tags one of the fields in there as primary key so that it can be used in those add-ons. Yep. Yeah. I think um, FileMaker is moving towards supporting primary keys more directly, which will be really good. And foreign keys also. Um, does it ta- does every table need a primary key? Like a value list table? Um, so that's a good question. The answer to value list. Uh, so I would say you always want one, but a value list table, you may not care about having UUIDs. Like you may be fine to have serial numbers. Um, because you don't have that many of them. They're not changing all that much. Um, it's not a big deal. Um, there are other tables where in other databases, they wouldn't have a primary key necessarily, or they'd have, or the primary key would be a combination of two foreign keys. Uh, so that would be a join table. So join tables are, are one where typically the, the record is identified by, it has two or more foreign keys that are associated together. Um, but you still, there are reasons within the FileMaker and sort of common FileMaker techniques that you're going to want to have a single field there just to be able to target and, and use for things like transactional creations, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, transactional creation updates and deletes, you're going to want a primary key. So 
I, I think there's not a there's not a, a a real huge problem to having them, except maybe at massive monster huge billions of record tables where you might have some indexing issues. Uh, and I, and you, nobody listening to this podcast actually has this problem. So if you think you do, you're almost certainly wrong, but <laughs> I do know of a couple databases where they are so large that indexing is something that, that does need to be addressed. Yeah. So other than, other than that, there's really not a good reason to not have a primary key. And if you really are concerned about and indexing, um, you can use a number and you can use UUID number that, that will be indexed smaller and it will be slightly faster in terms of fines and things like that. Okay. Would you, uh, we, I, we talked about the default fields.xml file that's included now, um, that automatically creates the primary key field. Would you ever counsel people to remove that field so that none of those get created? No, no, I would, I would, um, you could change the names if you want. I think at some point, FileMaker will have in the user interface the ability to tag a field as a primary key. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's coming. There are there are some things that get much easier once you can do that. That that I know um, that sort of you know been on the table for many years. So, uh, but right now I think it's currently XML based. I, I don't. I mean, you could. I, I think changing the name is is maybe okay for some of those other fields. But I, right for right now, I would just leave it um, the way it is until we know a little bit more about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's taking, we used to have to create those fields all the time. And, it, you know, you get a whole host of, like you said, names and such. And and with the add-ons, they really needed a, a way to, to let us, or to tag a field as primary keys. Yeah. And the, yeah. it wasn't in the interface. So it, like you yeah. said, it's XML-based. Right. So. Yeah, I, I assume it's coming. I think it has to come. There's a number of, like I said, there's a number of things that actually get much simpler. There's a number of, of things that, that will just get so much easier if we, if we get primary key and foreign key support. And I think they've just been hanging back from doing that because, uh, I, I mean, for years, they didn't really even talk about primary keys. They literally would call, in the sample files, they would call it, you know, match match keys or something. Yeah, or yeah. Match fields or things like that. And and I understood why they did that. They wanted, they didn't want this to become some, something that people felt they had to go to school to learn. Uh, but <laughs> But I, I argued, and I, I still think it was correct that if you're going to build, if if you're if you are saying FileMaker is a relational database system, um, you need to understand foreign keys and primary keys at some point. You're not, you I mean getting that? You're not going to ever be able to avoid understanding that uh, within the within the constraint, you know, within the, within the FileMaker system. It's going to happen at some point. So you might as well just get it over with. Yeah. And I don't think it's that complicated a concept. I mean, I think people quickly understand. We're talking about here, which is a, a a field that has a value in it that uniquely identifies this record. Right? I mean, I think that's fairly simple to understand once you once you yep. use it a couple times. Like, oh yeah, this this makes sense for people with legacy systems that you may have used the serial UUI, a serial auto enter field, um, and when sixteen comes around, they're they're default by default using a UUID and they start creating new tables in that. Is there any problem that tables have different primary key types? And if they wanted to, can you, would you counsel someone to go about changing serials, UU, uh, serial primary keys into UUID primary keys? So there were some reasons to go with UUIDs. You know, before, at first we just got get UUID. We, we didn't have get UUID number. We just had get UUID. So we were talking about text strings. The other thing, the other, the other advantage that text IDs have is you can do multi-keys easier. Right? You're not going to get a, a mismatch between a, a key on one side, which is text, and a number, on the other, a number on the other side, which actually works. But some systems would report that as being a problem because it's a text field up to a number, number field. So... Text fields are slightly easier for multi-keys. Number fields are better for performance. Two things to say about that. So why would you want to go to UUID? So one of the main reasons is you're doing syncing. If you're syncing databases, um, like to a mobile device, for example, then you really need to have UUIDs because the records will get created on different computers. And if they get created on different computers, a serial number is not going to work. Mm-hmm. So if that's your scenario, if you're creating records on different computers and it's truly syncing, like you truly want a syncing scenario where you're passing basically the same data and the same field structure back and forth. And you really don't have any choice. You got to go UUIDs. Um, there's just not a way around that. Uh, UUIDs, as we said before, also deal with the, uh, with the forgetting to update the serial number issue. Mm-hmm. 
when you're doing imports. And I think to me, that's still the best reason to do it is that you will never have a situation where you will break primary keys. If you're using serial numbers, they can be broken and they can be broken by just doing an import from a backup. And so unless that process, and here's the, I mean, there, there's just no way to, to prevent it. We have things that, you know, if you build an automated importing process, you can, uh, and you only use that to update your, to import your data from backups, then you're fine. But if someday you're in a rush and you just want to import one table and you import that table and you forget to set the primary key, you've just broken your database. So the only way to practically ensure that you will never have duplicate keys is to use a UUID. Now, if you have serial numbers and you want to convert to UUIDs, it's really simple. Okay. You just uh, uncheck the auto increment. And if you're using a number field, like if you're using a number field for serial numbers, then you just use get UUID. You set up an auto enter calc for get UUID number and you're good to go. It doesn't right. matter that the first, you know, 10,000 records are one, two, three, four, five, six, and then they go to like, you know, this long number string. That doesn't matter because your UUID, your, your relationship, math driven primary key, foreign key kind of stuff doesn't care what the number looks like. I just mm -hmm. need to know whether it's number or text. So you can easily switch a primary key that is a number field to get UUID and it will not break anything. None of your stuff will break. And if you're using text, like you were doing, you know, uh, using some prefixing on your, on your text fields with, a, with an auto increment, you can switch to get UUID. And again, nothing will break. So the only other issue you might have there is you might want to, if you were, if you had, you know, you got a system you inherited or it's old or you built when you didn't know better and you, you're using it as a natural key, then what you got to do is go through, basically what you do is you duplicate your field and you, you do a, do a replace to get your natural keys out of the primary keys, you get that value into another field and then you just switch it, you, you switch it over. So you, and now you put that natural key, that new natural key uh, on the layout. And, and that becomes the thing that everybody sees, right? And then okay. your all your relationship stuff is still driven by your your old field. Okay, that makes sense. Would it, would you suggest anybody ever just change from serial number, go back to establish records and change the primary keys to reflect the the pattern that they want to use moving forward? It's a tremendous amount of work. It depends on the complexity of your system. If you're talking about dozens of files and dozens of, 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 of relationships, you're going to have to work very hard to do that, to get it to, to work because you have to, you know, everywhere that there's a foreign key that matches the primary key, you're going to have to update that. Hmm. Now there are systems where that may be required um, or there, sometimes you might need to do similar processes. So you may already have some of the code. Like if you're merging two customers together, for example, you kind of have to go through the same thing, a very similar process of looking for all the tables that have a customer ID and swapping it for the new customer ID, right? So merging records and doing this, um, uh, and doing this, you know, re-primary key, keyizing everything are similar processes. It's a lot of work. It's, it's, you, you can certainly write scripts to automate it and you should, if you're going to do it, but it's a lot of work. And so you, you really have to have a good reason to do it. And this is where a lot of developers, they'll just have, they'll have such a strong pull to have everything be consistent. They will go down the path and do that work. And, you know, I think everybody's going to do that at, probably at least once and then they won't ever do it again. <laughs> there's a lot of work. And again, if, if the field is never really looked at, then there's no reason for it to be consistent. It doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. Right. So I don't think you should do it uh, unless you have a very good business reason to do it. But um, I think, I think a lot of people will try at least once in their career to do it and they will, um, and they'll realize it wasn't worth it. Probably. It's my guess. We should, Todd, we should create a uh, sample database structure with multiple files and thousands of records and have people try it out on our, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, go ahead. Yeah. Like, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead, do it <laughs> like a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, we'll, we'll get into the integration stuff. That's a good topic, but I wanted to ask, does the, how does the data migration tool handle yeah. serial primary keys? Does it automatically update it the, does. It oh, does. that's nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it does. So, so, you know, it, 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 the, it, we definitely are in a scenario now 
that was different than when UUIDs first came on the scene, which is that there are two ways to automate the incrementing of, of those values to make sure that those, that the new serial number is, is set correctly. Um, and one is the set next serial number script step, which is, was added for this very, very specific purpose. And the other is the data migration tool. So it is certainly less likely that you will make a mistake and, and do a, uh, and do an import that will break your primary keys. But again, in practice, it is more likely that some point you will do that. You'll just say, well, I just can, I can import, I can just import this data back in. It's no big deal. And you'll just do it. It's more likely that you or somebody on your team will do that um, than it is for a UUID to ever break. So mm -hmm. that's why I just think there's, again, almost no good reason to not use them. You can just use them and, 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 and be safer. You have to have a very specific reason for, for not using them. And, and we, 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 we did talk about value lists where there's just a couple of values in there and, and they don't change. Um, those are, those would be, that would be one where it's just not worth it. Like you just don't care, right? It's like, mm -hmm. this is just a value list. So value lists are really good ones because they come up in a lot of different ways. So you can think of another one that might be is uh, a table of country codes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> these are, these are country codes. Like if you have, if you want a value list of country codes, well, guess what? The country code is the thing that you're, there's, there's like, um, you, first of all, you could probably just make a, you could probably just make a, a, you wouldn't need to use a table for that, but if you wanted to have a country code and then the full country name listed so that it'd be easier to do, um, those are, there are standard country codes and you're, you know, you're not doing relational logic here. Right. That's really maybe where it comes down to is you're not really doing relational, you're not, you're not really maintaining relationships with these, with these values, then, you know, there's not, there may not be a good reason to do it. That's it. That's actually an interesting idea because there are systems that let's say have a country code and maybe it's, it's uh, us for the United States. And then there's some other information about that, yeah. about that country inside that table. Yeah. But the primary key, people would tend to use the U.S. as the primary key because it's unique and because it doesn't it's going to be in your other your contacts uh, table as a as a data field. Right. So as as a pseudo foreign key. So in that case, is it OK yeah. to use a meaningful? So so here's where you're going to get different. You're going to get like if you had Dave Graham on, we have, if we had Dave on right now. Yeah. He would be cursing me at this moment because he would he would probably say no, this is a bad idea. I, I think that there's I, I think rational people can disagree here. The way that I would look at this, is, um, if you're talking about you have a you have a table of records which is coming from someplace else. It's like uh, and it's it's fixed. It's not moving. Um, you're it's you're using it for lookup purposes based on that. So country code, zip code might be another one. Um, where you're, this is really about looking up data. It's not about maintaining relational logic between different entities. Yep. Sense? Yes. It's really okay. about looking up things. Um, in that case, you know, I'm not going to look at something like if somebody sends me a database where they've used zip codes to as a lookup. So you have a table of zip codes that, that they're uh -huh. looking up. I mean, you wouldn't do that today because there's APIs. But maybe maybe you maybe you give you you have the country codes. There's like a hundred and actually my wife would know because she teaches geography how many countries there are. But there's a fixed number and there's a fixed. Everyone has a standardized country code. Mm -hmm. um, you know that to me there's a very little value in adding a primary key to that table if you're using it to look up countries. Like it just it's just not it doesn't add a lot. Okay. So. Um, but again, I think rational people would disagree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say if somebody showed me a database that did it in either way, I wouldn't say that's wrong. I would just say that's a choice they made, right? Okay. Does that make sense? Like you could yes. do it either way. It's not a big deal. Okay. Um, Let's talk about implementation in FileMaker. We talked yeah. about we should have one um, or we don't, depending on uh, wh when should the, the primary key be created? How should it be named? And... Yeah. What do we do with the indexing of of the key? Yeah, of course, of course, they need to be indexed because um, they're going to be searched. But I think it's also it should be, you just should know that the longer in text, the longer the value, the the the, the bigger the index, the slower the, the searches are going to be. Okay. So that's the argument you'll hear from some purists around get UUID is that it's too big. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I, I don't think in practice it is. I think you're going to have to. This is one of the things where I'm just going to tell people you have to show me. 
show me a practical in instance of where you're actually running into a problem um, because the index is too big because using a text primary key. And my my second response would be fine, just use get UID number and your index will be smaller. So um, you do need to you just you should know that that's that's where you get pushed back from some folks on that is that it makes the indexes bigger. Again, except for the few databases I know that actually do have more than a billion records, um, there's I, I I don't really believe that in practical speaking, you really have an indexing problem. That said, you might come across it and you you know might be something you have to deal with. Um, in terms of naming things, I think this is going to be uh, somewhat up to the developer. Um, by default, filemakers want to set up as primary key. We tend to, our naming convention is we name it the table name, and then suffixed ID, and I think that is a fine one as well. I think you should just be consistent that your whatever your key is. I mean, one thing you could do is just have it called ID in every table. I think that's also fine. A lot of people want to use the underscore at the beginning because it sorts it to, the to the top. I think that's also fine. Um, I think, uh, yeah, in 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 days past, naming conventions were help, a little more helpful than they are today. Now that we can see the data types of things. Um, and so there was a, a lot of organizational naming conventions that came up, which I don't think are as necessary anymore. And one of them might be the underscoring. But again, I wouldn't look at somebody who made the decision and say, oh, that was terrible. Um, uh, I think that calling out the primary key is important, that you should have a standard way of doing that so that once you know what it is in a system, you can look at any table and go, that's the primary key. That's super important. Um, so you should definitely have that. I, I liked, I personally like, the word ID because then the foreign keys are ID underscore students or, you know, whatever. So all of those sort in the same area, right? Yeah. I think that's a fine one. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. Just be consistent. Make sure that your conventions, um, I, I think if you can do foreign keys, make sure that the convention links back to the primary table. That can be very helpful. Um, and, um, but just make sure it's consistent. Nice. All right. So how, how, how are primary keys used in, in practice? We talked about relationships already, but we know, and we do this every day, where we're using data, we're passing data to and from services or right. to, uh, right. to integrate. We're integrating the data elsewhere. So talk yeah. to us about using primary keys in, in integrations. Yeah, so this, so this gets tricky, and it took me a while to settle on, on the right approach here. Some of it is depends, again, on how you're doing the integration, but I think the there's a, a couple of insights that I've had recently that have, uh, I think, settled the question for me. When you're doing the, the thing that integrations bring to the table and the level at which we're doing them today, um, which we weren't doing five, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, we just weren't doing that, this kind of integration. Take the common case of integrating with QuickBooks Online with something like our LedgerLink product. Once you have invoices in your accounting system, which you almost certainly do. There's very few companies today that are that are doing manual accounting and then just dropping a box uh, at their at their accountants every year and they're just doing it all for them. People are using accounting system, whether it's QuickBooks or Zero or or some other system. Um, they're they're using accounting programs to do that. Once you put an invoice and a customer record in, um, or let's say we'll stay with invoice. Once you put that invoice record in your accounting system. Um, and you accept payments against it, and then that payment is, gets deposited in the bank, and that deposit gets reconciled with your with your checking account. Um, you now have a chain that really can't can't be messed with. You've now locked in your uh, a whole bunch of financial transactions, and in fact, if you're doing this well, you are closing the books every period, or at least once a quarter, every quarter, or once a month, every month. Um, certainly every year, you're 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 closing the books on uh, on a on the previous period. Um, what that means is that data is not changeable anymore. And uh, once that's done, um, it's it's in the system. QuickBooks is the source of truth for your financial transaction. So that's where it, that's the truth, right? So if you have a filemaker system that that integrates with with QuickBooks, and let's say you are um, building uh, you're you're building something, you're manufacturing something that you eventually sell you ship to a customer and they get invoiced right so you know um well maybe they're you're making i don't know you're hand making something and eventually at the end of the day it goes through some process which you track in filemaker to make sure it's all done correctly and at the end of the day when that's done you, you ship it and then you send it to quickbooks for invoicing 
the link between that manufacturing process that you have and your QuickBooks database is, becomes important. And it's not apparent right off the bat. You think, well, I'm syncing. Like LedgerLink has all of my invoices in FileMaker records. So why don't I just use the FileMaker primary keys as the link between my manufacturing part of the system and my, my LedgerLink part of the system that goes to QuickBooks? And the, the answer is, if you use the primary key uh, and for whatever reason you have to restore from QuickBooks Online, those primary keys will all be gone. Mm. They'll be different, okay. right? You'll do a sync, you'll pull down the records again, and all your FileMaker keys will be different. Your QuickBooks IDs will be the same because they're the source of truth. So every time you get your invoice back from QuickBooks, it's always going to have the same QBO primary ID, always. It's never going to change. But if you, if you have to resync everything in your integration, that's going to have new FileMaker IDs. So you should use the QuickBooks IDs to maintain that link. At least you should be able to recreate the link you have in FileMaker based on the QuickBooks ID because that link is permanent and real and will never change. Um, however, so then you might think, okay, well, why don't I just use QuickBooks IDs to make in my integration, I'll just use the QuickBooks ID as the primary key. And that seems like, well, that'll work, right? Well, not exactly. The reason is, is that uh, in QuickBooks, there's no line items table. There's no primary key for line items. There's no foreign key for line items. There's simply a nested, it's kind of like, um, you can think like FileMaker 2, where we had repeating fields. That's, it's, it's actually under the hood, I'm sure there are those tables. But in far as the API is concerned, when you request an invoice, you get its line items back as part of that JSON object, that nested JSON object. There's an array of lines in there. <clears throat> so there's no, there's no primary keys, right? There's no foreign keys. Invoice lines belong to an invoice by default. It's kind of this other way of, of having a relationship I talked about earlier. So if you want to have a situation where you're able to create an invoice in FileMaker, you're going to need to have primary keys and foreign keys to do that. And if you're using QuickBooks, that won't work, right? So because there's no QuickBooks ID, there doesn't, there isn't such a thing. Like there's no, there is no line item invoice ID in, 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 inside of QuickBooks. And, and you don't have the, when you're, when you're creating an invoice from scratch, you don't have the QBO ID it's because you haven't sent it there yet. So all you have is a draft. You have the, the data, which you are eventually going to send to QuickBooks. You don't have, you don't have it back with its own, with its IDs. So that means you want both. You want the FileMaker ID so that you can, again, build your relational logic and your, so that you can build the kind of interfaces and the, and the scripts and things that you want to be able to manipulate that. And then you want the QuickBooks ID so that you can maintain those links should something happen between those two systems. Um, and that, that is, uh, that's a subtle thing that, uh, <laughs> it didn't really occur to me until both of those, both sides of those coins, like, uh, occurred to me, like, like separately, I started building everything on QuickBooks IDs and I was like, huh, how am I going to make an interface where I can create an invoice? That's not going to work. So then I went back <laughs> to FileMaker IDs and then I started linking to our other systems using the FileMaker IDs. And then one day we had to resync our entire FileMaker, uh, all of our QuickBooks data. And all those links were gone. They were all wiped out because they're based on FileMaker IDs. So we learned the hard way. That's how, that's how it happens. So, um, but I think it's interesting to th think about because of the amount of integration that we're doing to think about in those other systems, what are those unique IDs that are the source of truth? What are they? Um, and to make sure that you are um, including those in your, uh, as part of your strategy in maintaining the relationships between things like your FileMaker manufacturing system and your QuickBooks invoicing system. And LedgerLink handles this already. It handles us, it all. Right? It's all built okay. into LedgerLink, where you don't have to all deal right. with it. Yeah. All right. Are there yeah. any other are there any other services out there, integrations that you have to consider all this as well? Yeah, you would pretty much on every one that you that is the source of truth. Okay. Um, where 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 because here's what so here's an, here's another way to think about it. If you have to recover the data, if your backup strategies stink or your, your everything melted, you didn't back up to the cloud and you had a fire, whatever. If you have to restore that data from the source of truth, 
what are you going to, you know, it, it, and, and if you got, if you have to do that, then you're going to have to make sure that you have those links maintained because that's where the data is. They don't have your primary key. They have a, they have their own key. Now, sometimes, and in QuickBooks, um, this is possible in certain scenarios. And, and QuickBooks just recently added a bunch of new features, which makes this a little bit easier, but still something that you're not going to get in every system. Some systems will allow you to add custom fields to the other side, and it can be quite tempting to put your put your primary key in there. Oh. Uh, and I, it's not necessarily a bad practice, but I, I don't think it'll work as well as you expect. Um, you're still gonna you're still gonna need to have the the, the QBOID for doing all kinds of things anyway. So um, it's not necessarily it's one way to maintain that link is to is to put your primary key for say your invoice in in QuickBooks's custom fields. The reason we didn't do this initially is that there were only three custom fields and they were useful for other things uh, and you can't search on them the same way. So there's there's like it's hard to find. A, you wouldn't be able, you can't find your FileMaker invoice easily by searching those custom fields. Say, oh, that's it. Right? You, you can't easily do that. But QuickBooks recently added in their advanced version, you can do 10 custom fields and searching is now better. So this is something we'll explore a little bit more as a way to kind of back up the linkage between our FileMaker systems and our, and our QuickBooks systems. But I think the, the question to ask is, where do I go for a backup of last resort? And if it's that system, then there's a there's an ID that you need to care about over there, because so that's like, what you're going to link back to. So, like some shipping service that we 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 get a a quote from or a rate from, and we we download the uh, shipping label, we should be storing that shipment uh, instance's primary key. Possibly, um, if you need to look it up, if you want to restore it later. I think the example you brought up earlier is a really good one, which is student ID, right? Yep. Okay. Definitely want the student ID so that whenever you're pulling data from, from the system that has the, the, has that number that you can always make sure that you get it right. You, you definitely want to do that. You want to store that, that student ID so that you can go and make sure to be able to update things from that, from that source system. And that, that is an extra step you're going to have to do. You're going to always have to, you can't just import the records and have them magically be related nope. to the student. You no, have to it's actually getting, it's actually right. You're going to have to do it. And it's yeah. actually getting more and more of that work as we do integrations. If you think about like, take, take an example of like, if you're doing a CRM and you want to track a person's um, various profiles across the internet, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, right? All of these have IDs that you're going to need to, you're going to need to be able to find somehow. Right. Um, so you're going to have fields for, uh, you might have, if you're only tracking one, maybe you have a, you know, LinkedIn profile, right. That might be the link, the field that you create. If you're doing a lot of them, you might have a table of profiles of internet profiles and that you're tracking those IDs. in. so it's definitely something that we do more of now because we're just connecting to more things. Right. And so we actually going to rely on more like natural IDs. So the most common natural ID for a person is their email address now. Right. You can look up a yeah. person by their email address all over the place now. Um, and uh, so that's one that your, your you know, email address becomes this thing that you're going to use to link to stuff. And there's, there's lots of examples of that. If you just kind of start poking at it, um, you'll see them all over the place. And so your fee, your database tables, your FileMaker tables are, are either going to have a lot more fields or we've done things where, like I said, we have a external link table where we store those, those kinds of relationships where a person can have many internet profiles um, or a company can have many internet profiles. And then maybe like, you know, we, we have, we have this company in QuickBooks. We also have this company in Basecamp. We have this company in our time tracking system. It's the same company, but all those places have IDs. So we need to track, we need to track those somewhere. Well, I think uh, we've we've talked pretty much all that we can. If for a simple topic, we we've gone about an hour, and uh, <laughs> that's that's good. It must be the simplest things are really hard to explain sometimes, or a lot of well, it starts subtleties. Simple. Yeah, yeah, it starts yeah. simple. But I think if you just keep to the idea that this is my this is my uniquely identify, you know, kind of kind of maybe two concepts to really just keep hold of is this is my unique record identifier for my FileMaker logic, like that's the primary key. And then the other, the stuff we're talking about in terms of integration is 
Like, how am I going to maintain these links to systems I don't control, whether they're student information systems or QuickBooks or, you know, Facebook profiles, right? Um, if you keep those two things, if you think about those two ideas, um, I think you'll get through most of this stuff. Nice. All right. Cool. Well, this has been a good topic. It's uh, next time we'll talk about foreign keys, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'll ask Dave what he thinks about what you said. I'll, I'll play him that yeah. clip. And, he'll, and he'll have maybe... a much stricter interpretation um, when it comes <laughs> to data modeling, which is there's there's I mean you should definitely we should definitely have a data modeling conversation because there are there are very important conversations to have there, um, uh, and they involve primary keys. Uh, yeah, I would say that's like that's like um, you know next next steps in data model next steps in understanding relational databases and data modeling. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll get that scheduled then. All right. Thanks, Todd. Thanks very much, Jeremy. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Primary keys is a basic concept in FileMaker, in relationship structures, and it's good to really spend some time talking about it. If you're so inclined, please rate and review us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. Send us an email to let us know what you think and to suggest topics for upcoming episodes. If there's something you'd like to hear Todd talk about, send the idea to support at geistinteractive.com and I'll get him to wax deeply about that topic. Until next week, remember, the Context Podcast is king.